the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. As we emerge from bright week, having celebrated and basked in the glory of the resurrection of Christ, the one, our one and only hope for our salvation, today we remember the encounter between Thomas, the other disciples, and the resurrected Christ. St. Theophilact wrote in his commentary on this verse that one of the terms used to describe Thomas was the twin. According to him, Thomas had the tendency to be of two minds. In other words, he was a doubter by nature, and he was excessively inquisitive, as St. Theophilact expressed. So he insisted that seeing the resurrected Lord alone would not be enough for him to believe in the resurrection of Christ. He would have to actually touch the wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today's gospel tells us that Thomas was not with the others when Christ appeared. Where had he been? We do not know. St. Theophilus posits that perhaps he had just returned from hiding after the disciples had scattered during the crucifixion. But thanks be to God, the Lord overrode his lack of belief and graciously commanded him to place his hands in his wounds with the admonition to Thomas to be not faithless, but believing. Thomas, having been granted the conditions of his faith, stated, My Lord and my God. To which our Lord Jesus issued his famous statement, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have believed. You and I are among those who have not, been, have not seen the Lord in the flesh, but have believed in Him as our Lord God and Savior. Our belief in Him is couched within the realities of everyday life. In Hebrews 11.1 1, we read, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith, belief, belief in God, Belief in the resurrection of Christ, our Savior. This is the essence of how we relate to God. We don't ring a doorbell or pick up a phone and call him. He's not at our every whimsical demand doing what we tell him to do. He is, after all, God. And we are the ones who are in need of direction, not him. Things hoped for and things unseen leave some people in a state of dissatisfaction because they want the circumstances of their life to be, or their lives rather, to provide instant gratification of their desires in a tangible way. Is it against the will of God to have desires? No, that is a perfectly natural aspect of our human nature. God knows what we need. Sometimes that is different, though, from what we desire. But the faith of which we read in Hebrews 11 speaks to us of a spiritual reality, which is alive within the heart of a Christian and transcends the limitations and struggles of everyday life. Furthermore, this kind of faith is rooted in absolute trust in the goodness of God. And his deliverance of us from all dangers, difficulties, and sufferings. 
God is at work in us. He is trying to transform our sinful bodies into the temple of God. To become a place for His abode. Rather than resist God's work in us, we must learn to cooperate with it. Instead of our pride, we must learn to embrace humility. Humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God that He might exalt us. And He will. In His time in his way. One of Thomas' apparent problems in believing in the resurrection of Christ was that he had become separated from the other disciples who would eventually become apostles. Isolation from God's people will dull the spiritual faculties of any Christian. We were not intended to travel this road alone. We need each other. The right hand can't say to the left hand, I have no need of you. That is the beginning of the end when we adopt a mindset such as that. We remind each other of not only what we believe about God, but that we must entrust our daily lives to Him no matter what the circumstances are. The most potent way that we can become icons of Christ to each other is to seek to live the virtues of God each and every day in the circumstances of our life and to share each other's joys and sufferings. We are called to a life of prayer, dear, dearly beloved, a life of prayer. Prayer, prayer requires work. Communion with God requires a little work. To become like God requires a little work. It's not just, you know, push a button. No, we've got, to, we've got things in us that need to be extricated from us. And it doesn't happen by osmosis. We have to submit our will to the will of God. He is, after all, the one who made us in His holy image. We're called to this life of prayer, of worship of the Holy Trinity of good works which show forth the love of God. This is the magnificence of the life of the resurrected Christ in our midst. The truth is that we do need to be able to see the resurrected Christ in each other. And in this sense, the old saying, seeing is believing, is true. But the awareness of God's presence is first and foremost a function of the noose, the eye of the heart, that spiritual faculty that you have that enables you to experience, to realize the presence of God in your life. To be connected to God, to feel His presence and His peace, we must do our part no matter what the circumstances of our life may be. During this Paschal season, we celebrate the reality of the resurrection of Christ signifying His ultimate victory over the forces of darkness, sin, and death. Dearly beloved, may each of us purpose to lay aside our sins and draw near to the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ within His body, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Let us not be faithless, but believing no matter what comes our way. For he will never leave us nor forsake us. 
Let us remind each other of this reality, day in and day out. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen.